And I do that on a daily basis. And so do each and every one of us on a daily basis. We somewhere come along the line where we think that our circumstances is too big for God to handle. Just somebody decides to amen. I feel like I'm the only one in Christ. I'm about to book myself to hunters right now. But this is your breakthrough Sunday, church. This is your breakthrough Sunday. This is a Sunday where I'm going to trust God to turn every situation around. We sit and we pray for our kids for years. And when our God wants you in the breakthrough, why isn't He hearing your words? We pray that Eric has spoke about. We pray for our husbands and our wives. And it just feels like nothing is happening. And we pray for our finances and things get worse. We want to pray for addictions and they get worse. Why is it that we journey this stuff? And we journey this stuff simply because somewhere along the line, we're looking at it from an emotional point and not looking at it from a spiritual point of view. Yeah. And there's a scripture that I want to read to you or just mention this morning. I'm not even going to read it. But there's two stories I want to, I want to mention this morning. And one is the story of Jairus. Who knows the story of Jairus? Jairus was a leader. You can go read it. I think it's in Matthew. Um, let me go find Let me tell you the truth. Yes, it's in Luke 8.14. You want to read it. But Jairus is a leader. A very prominent leader of the area. Jairus' daughter is sick, sick, sick. That They feel she's not going to make it. So Jairus does this massive trip to find Jesus. And when he comes to Jesus, he comes to Jesus and says, Lord, you have to come now. My daughter's dying at home. You know, if you, if you, if you just come, I know the thing's going to change and turn around. And the Word of God says, you know, that Jesus turned and Jesus started to walk towards Jairus' home on the journey. And first thing, he was interrupted by a woman with the issue of blood. That she pushed through the crowd, she crawled through the crowd, she got to the hem of his garment. When he touched the hem of his garment, boom, she was healed instantly. But this is significant because a few minutes later, or a little while later, word comes from Jairus' house and they say this, told Jesus not to worry, she's dead. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. He's traveling with disciples and, and to the woman that they were close to, Mary and Martha, send him a message. And they say to Jesus, the one that you love, Lazarus, he is great ill. We don't know if he's going to make it. And Jesus answers in this, in this crazy answer. He says to him, but the sickness is not unto death. And the word says that Jesus doesn't start to journey back to the three enemies. And what happens is, four days, four days later, Jesus rocks up, and we know that Lazarus has been dead for three days already. They've been in a tomb. And Martha runs up and tells Mary what is happening. And Mary runs to Jesus and says a simple thing. If only you had come, you would have made it. The word comes from Jairus' house. And they say, Jesus, don't worry about it. She's dead. And I was challenged this week about our emotions. I was challenged this week because I don't believe for a minute that God's healing power decreases. I don't believe for a minute that Jesus loses faith. You let me tell you something. Whether it's three or four or five days late, it doesn't matter. You see, Jesus, the healer, doesn't change. What, what changes is our attitude in the way we see. 
when you look at Jairus' family, they had enough faith to believe that Jesus could heal a sick child, but they did not have enough faith to believe that he could resurrect her. Mary and have cried out, said, Jesus, if you had come earlier, you would have made it. We've got enough faith that you could have healed him, but we didn't have enough faith that you would resurrect him. This is the problem you and I have, is that we give our problems to God and we trust Him for the impossible. And when it's a day too long, what happens? We become emotional and we step out of the spiritual things of God. What happened to Martha and Mary? They got emotional. They were angry with Jesus. They were angry with Him. If you loved Him, you would have come. And all of a sudden, the very spiritual woman that believed that Jesus could resurrect or heal their brother lost hope. And it wasn't Jesus' healing that stopped. It wasn't Jesus' faith that, that diminished the longer he was. You see, Jesus is the same today, you say forever. You've got to get that. That the same Jesus, the, 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 the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within you. And that spirit does not change. The power of God, the power of Calvary, where Jesus said that you will have the sick and they will be well. That power does not change in you. The only thing it changes is do you operate from an emotional place or do you operate from a place of being spiritual? You cannot come and pray for the sick in church if you do not believe that Jesus on day one is as powerful as Jesus on day four. There's a problem in church. The problem in church is that we get emotionally involved in things and not enough spiritual in things. We, we sit at home and we get bad news and we get a lawyer's letter. Do you know what happens to us? Instead of taking that thing to God, instead of placing it at His feet, the word says, cast your burdens unto Jesus. Why? Because He cares. Now, instead of us casting that burden, instead of us casting that marriage, or that sickness, or that miracle, or that finances, or that family to Jesus, what happens? We step out of the spirit, we step into the flesh, and we try and deal with it in an emotional way. And whenever we're dealing with stuff in an emotional way, it's him that has failed. Hey, how many times do you hear people say, why did God let this happen? Why did God let this happen? Why am I going through what I'm going through right now? I mean, I'll tell you why you're going through what you're going through. It's because you're dealing with it from an emotional point of view. Now, don't get me wrong. Emotion plays a big part in church life. I came to Christ through an emotional experience. I, I had an emotional breakdown. I lost my daughter. I was broken. I was angry with God. I didn't want to speak to him. But the more I ran from him, the more he ran after me. To the place where I had to give up in a corner and allow him to be God in my life. And it doesn't matter why she passed or how she passed or when she passed. All that I know is that God made me a promise that day when I was stuck in that corner and was this. That I work all things for the good in your life. I work all things for the good in your life. You see, when I see him as a good father, things change. When I see him as a father that sits on the cloud with a lightning bolt ready to smite me, I'm serving the wrong God. You see, I've got to believe that God is good to me all the time. God is good to me when I'm in the valley. God is good to me when I'm on the mountain. God is good to me when I'm sick. God is good to me even when I'm in the grave. 
And how many of us somewhere think that the power of God is diminished the longer we wait for something? That today is Sunday, we emotionally talk, we sing some great songs, we listen to some great worship, and we listen to a sermon, and you and I, when we walk out of this place, man, we can take on the world. And you know what? You go down that old road, you stop at the robot, and a taxi comes past you, and the next minute, there goes your spirituality, there goes your emotional experience, and and all of a sudden, that guy comes out. That uh, we move from the spirit to the flesh so quickly, from Jesus embracing salvation to Jesus, I will lead you into salvation. Now. <laughs> this is how we are. And if we cannot be consistent in serving Him in spirit and in truth, there's a problem. Now, Isaiah 22, 22 says this, and I'm going to read it to you this morning. Should have marked it, I would look more professional. Though. Sorry, 22. Chantal's Bible is different to ours. 22, 22. And it, so it says this it says, I'm going to read one up. It says, uh, verse 20, I says, Then it shall be in that day, listen to me, then it shall be in that day. You see, that day could be this day for you. Just listen to me. So it happened in that day that I will call my servant, Elakim and Hilal, and I will clothe him with a robe and strengthen him with a belt, and I will commit your responsibilities into his hands, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of David. Listen to this. He says, And the keys of the house of David I will lay on his shoulders so he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut and no one shall open listen to this the word the prophet is prophesying and he says he's speaking about jesus he's speaking about the shoulders the throne the reign of david he says in the lineage of david there's going to come a man listen to me there's going to come a man in the lineage of david that is going to carry the keys to the kingdom of heaven that's going to carry the keys to the blessings in your life. That is going to carry the keys to lock that which needs to be locked and open that which needs to be opened in your life. Now turn me quickly to Matthew 16. Now Matthew 16 is the New Testament, guys. Okay, Matthew 16. So Matthew 16 verse 15, you guys there. He says this. Okay, let me, let me read verse 15. He said, listen to this. He said this. He said to them, but who do you say that I have? Jesus is having this moment. And he's speaking to his disciples. He says, I know you guys follow me around. I know you guys have lived with me for so many years. And same with all of us. You've come to church for 25 years. You, you know, you've been reading your Bible back to front for the last 15 years. You pray every single day. And Jesus drops this question, not just to the disciples, but I believe he drops this question to you and me. And he asks you this morning a simple question. Who do you say that Jesus For some of you, it might be a friend. For some of you, it might be a prophet. For some of you, he might be a savior. For others, he might be someone we pray to. For others, he might be someone that can speak it out of our heart. For some, he might be the son of God. For others, he just might be a teacher. 
And so God asks you, Jesus asks you individually this morning, don't look at your wife, don't look at your wife, looking at you and saying, who am I in your life? Is he the God of day four? Or is he the only God of day one? Can we trust him to come and heal? Or can we trust him to come and make whole? Do we trust him enough to heal a sickness? And do you trust him enough to heal your family? Do you trust him enough to heal your finances? Do you trust him enough to change your life and turn it inside? He wants to know this morning, who do you say that he is? Who do you think he is? And the word carries on and says, And Simon Peter said to him, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood, listen to this, flesh and blood, what is that? Emotions, emotions, man has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, now listen to this, and I say unto you that you are your Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You, are, If you believe that he is the Son of God, that he died and he rose again on the third day, removing your sins, as far as the east is from the west, he says, you've got to understand something, that when you get that into your nugget, you know what? The gates of Hades cannot oppose you. He carries on, he says, and I will give you, and I will give you, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound on uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Incredible story. Is Maki on top or Maki one? Just look at my feet on top of the back again. Yeah, yeah. When we were in Prague the last time, what am I happening with that? Remember? And Brother Mark Upman left this old key for me. This old key. Actually, I don't know where you're going from. But I said to him, what's the significance of this key? And eventually he came to see me and he said, Coach, you know something? I really believe that when God gave me this key, that God has given you the ability to buy me with a lot of And I read the scripture and I was like, this is what Jesus is saying. This is, this is prophetically speaking. This is not, this is, just look at me. I'm speaking about a spiritual key, but I want you to see the physical. I want you to see the physical. And so, I, I, I you give me that? So I, I just, for four weeks or so, for four weeks or so, <laughs> um, so, for, so for four weeks, so I've got an assistant this morning. <laughs> So for four weeks, this key lays in my desk, on my cupboard. <coughs> haven't got a clue what it's about. Haven't got a clue what God is saying to me. But all I know that God says to me, good, that prophetically I want you to see the key that is going to lock and unlock things in your life. Now I can, I can tell you what has happened in the last week already, but I'm not going to do that because it's not Gary comes to me on Tuesday morning and he says, I'm building campus out. You mind if I show Gary? Um, I'm building campus out the old lady. And um, he walks into the old lady's house. And the old lady, so God says to the old lady before Gary gets there, um, when the carpenter gets here, 
you need to give this to, to his pastor. So I thought Gary myself has spoken about this and um, so he walks in now that he's standing with his tub. And she says, you need to give this to your pastor. And Gary comes from off, he said, good, if you want confirmation about what God is speaking to you about, yeah. This woman gives in. That's what God sends me. Oh, and a spark plug for Andrew. <laughs> I haven't worked out how the spark plug fits in there yet. In that moment, something got to shift in me. You know what shifted in me? There was a boldness in there. There was something that said, God, if your word says it, oh, I've got to believe it. I've got to believe it. I've got to believe that you're the God of the first day and you're the God of the fourth day. I've got to start to believe that you're the God that can heal a sick girl and you're the God, the God that can resurrect a dead girl. And, and see, we don't get this because you're not too emotionally involved with this stuff. Because we want everything to go our way and we don't want God to let us do it His way. You and I are constantly fighting against God's will for our lives. And we think that everything bad that happens is for our worst. It's not. Everything that bad happens, God will work for the good in your life. Let me tell you something. I faced the most challenging things in my life. And I thought, what are you doing? But when I sat still for a second and I just breathed, all of a sudden, when I thought things were falling apart, all of a sudden they started falling into place. You see, my will is not necessarily God's will. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have towards you. The word says, Many are the ways of man. But it's God that directs our path. I have to repay the Lord's release. Because I became so emotionally charged with situations that I felt that I was deceiving. And I know many of you are feeling that way right now. It hasn't been easy two and a half years. Where's Erika? Why? Why 10 years of barrenness? Why 10 years of barrenness? And then as she was speaking, I was thinking, did we really want a baby to be born in that first relationship? Do we really want God sometimes to bless us in the place that we are? You see, when you are good steward of your finances, God says, I will give you more. When you're a bad steward of your finances, God can't give you more. Why? Because you will squander it. Let me tell you something. I watch people that prayed for years and years financial breakthrough. All they want was God to bless them financially. And when God unlocked that, you know what happens? They spend money to the money in the oh <laughs> oh Lord, we're going to take out a loan to, 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 to sort out all our debt. Puma tackies. Exhibitions. Every night at the restaurant, bring us the wine, champagne. 
Hey, and in two weeks down the road, you go, what the hell did you just do? I'm 20,000 in debt and I haven't paid off a You see, this is the God we serve. This is the God we serve. He's faithful. He's faithful. He loves you. He's obsessed with you. He's crazy about you. He wants the very best for you. He doesn't want the worst for you. But he wants you to be in the relationship with him that is meaningful and that is lasting. You want to be in a place that when you go to the toughest time in your life, you don't find yourself at the bank, you find yourself at his feet. When your marriage is falling apart, you don't find yourself at the lawyer's office, you find yourself at his feet. When your kids aren't coming to the knowledge of Jesus, you don't go look for psychologists, you find yourself at his feet. That is what God desires of you. And we need to change it because Jesus doesn't change. This is me. I need to say this to you again. Jesus on the fourth day is the same Jesus as on the fourth day. Don't let your emotions get the better of you. Jairus and his family gave up. Mary and Martha gave up on their miracle. They gave up. Why? Because it did not happen in their time. But it happened in God's time. It happened in God's time. Mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm not going to preach much longer because I think there's something significant that I want to do with you today. And you guys can come up. Because I've really lost my four kgs up there. <laughs> you move dirty to me. Can you put up your hand? I want you to close your eyes this morning for a second. Actually, don't. Look at me. I've realized over the last few weeks that just not whether I'm spiritual or emotional. You see, when, when, when Jesus was speaking, or when the prophet Isaiah was speaking, he said to the lineage of David, upon his shoulders, I will give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I started to realize that the, king, the keys to the kingdom of heaven is Jesus. You see, this is my Jesus. This is my Jesus. And I'm doing this physically. I need you. Please, it's not a cult. It's not a new movement. Sorry, listen to me. I want you to look. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in whatever Jesus says and what Jesus does. And now if I need a physical reminder of what Jesus promised me, then I've got a physical reminder of what he promised me. Because you know what he said? He said, Kurt, I will give to you the keys to the kingdom. Not just to the kingdom of heaven, but the keys to your life. You see, the challenge is this. That do we believe that Jesus is the key to our answers, to our questions? Do we believe that Jesus is the key to our droughts in our area? Do we believe that Jesus is the key for our city? Do we believe that Jesus is the key to our finances? Do we believe that Jesus is the answer to COVID? Do we believe that Jesus is the answer to the war that's raging in Russia and Ukraine? Do we believe Jesus? Love me so much 
But no matter what I'll see in that, he's going to give it to you. You are believing. You see, because if you believe, just like I got given a key, you got given a key. And this week I sat in my room, listening to me, and I was praying the situation. And you know what we've been facing as a church. But I was praying to something completely opposite. I was praying to my family. And I said to God, God, you know, you want me to get up and preach. You want me to get up and preach. But behind all the keys of the kingdom of heaven, how you give me the ability to buy and do this. And I sat there. And I said, Father, if this is you, if this is what you want me to do, if this is you speaking to me, and I know the word of God says, don't test the Lord your God, but I said, Father, you know, I want to get up there, I don't want to mislead anybody, but this has to be you. And I prayed into one situation, I prayed into one situation that was tied up for six months already. Six months, there'd be no breakthrough in this area. Six months there'd be no breakthrough, and we have been praying in day and day out. My family have been praying to the situation. And I sat in my room and I went up this father. I'd even have the key in my hand. Say, Father, in the spirit this morning, I want to lock the door to poverty in my life. I want to lock the door to generational poverty in my family. Because we come from a generation that has died alcoholics and poor. And I said, Father, I lock the spirit of delay away in my family. And I stood there and I went, Father, and I unlock the blessings of heaven over my life. I walked from my bathroom. I went and sat on my bed and my phone me. The very thing I just unlocked, they phoned me and said, can you believe this? This has just happened. This has just happened. And I want to say to you today, church, as your pastor, as your pastor, in the spirit this morning, I want to take Jesus. And I want to this morning lock anxiety, in this church, fear in this church, generational curses in this church, things that have been bound up, the spirit of delay in your life, I want to lock away this morning. I want to lock away addictions in your life this morning. And I want to lock away the hold that the enemy has over you and your family today in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you this morning prophetically, I want to unlock the favor of God over your life. The favor of God over this church. The favor of God over your finances. The favor of God over your family. Over your work situations, Donovan. The favor of God. The favor of God, Eddie. Over your work situations. The favor of God over your lives. You're not going to need or lack. And the word of God says, Do you hear something? You're not going to need or lack. And the Bible's of heaven. Doing a magic trick this morning, I want to tell you that if you truly believe, anxiety will go this morning. If you truly believe, depression will leave this morning. If you truly believe, 
this morning, fruit of poverty will leave. The, the fruit of delay will leave. And I'm going to say to you, as your pastor, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to say every promise of God is There's a few of you that need to come fetch your own key. You need to come fetch your own key. Whatever you have in your life, it has a negative place. Whether it's delayed, whether it's your marriage, your family, depression, suicide, addiction. I want you to come fetch your key this morning. And when you come fetch your key in the front here, I want to pray a blessing on you. And after I've prayed a blessing on you, I'm going to ask you one favor. I want you to go kneel in front of that cross and thank God for His goodness. And there is a whole lot of nails locked into that cross. And I want you to go hang your key. I want you to go hang your key. I want you to go hang your key. And every time you walk into this church from now on, you look at that cross in your key and say, Father, I thank you for the breakthrough. Sean, does your book Mandy, because you keep me praying for three years. Look how big it is. You should actually keep that one. If you want your key, here we go. And just come and stand in the front. I don't have got enough. If you need a key, you need a key. And I want you just to stand here. Just stand in the front. Just make space. Just, just spread out as much as you can.